We believe we all have a big self and pursuing it is holy work. We also believe that most of us let fear persuade us not to pay attention to it. On episodes when Shelly and I don't have a guest, once or twice a week, we like to bring you a big idea wrapped in a sample size package. We call these our micro episodes that you can listen to on your way to the grocery store or running an errand. Why? Because the big journeys are made of thousands of tiny steps. Welcome to the Big Self Show. I am your host, Chad Prevost. And I'm your host, Shelly Prevost. Shelly, it's great to have you here. Good to be here. And it's good to be here on our second mountain. Are we on the second mountain? Uh, yeah. I'd like to I think, think so. I think so. I think we're headed there if we're not already. Well, I feel like our... We have both had what we would describe as a first mountain journey, and we went through during different kinds of burnout phases, a middle passage in that valley, Mm -hmm. sometimes called the dark night of the soul. And I feel like we're surrendering to what the second mountain life has to teach us. Yeah, gosh, there's so much to talk about <laughs> with this. Yeah, oh, this J- is a rich territory. James Hollis, who we will have on the podcast this fall. That's right. Stay tuned. In one month, you will be getting a episode a from us on uh, from James Hollis. He has yet another book. I think it's his 19th. And uh, we're just going to give him a shout out now for this book called A Life of Meaning. Yeah, he talks about in several of his books this idea of the provisional personality. You know, provisional is kind of this this almost like ad hoc. It's kind of how I think of an ad hoc personality, something that you pick up and put on in the first half of life in this stage of accumulation. So it's this kind of more ego-driven, more... Um, invested in accumulating like and it could be literally like money or a house or you know things or I think more more of what it is about is accumulating an identity and a um, kind of a social mask that you wear and that's who you are and so you're accumulating status, you're, you know, maybe there's power that comes with, if I wear this mask, then I'm powerful. So whatever we are accumulating really is kind of the hallmark of the first mountain. And it's very much kind of the the ego's job to set us on that path. And like you're saying, most of us, I think there comes a point where there is an unraveling. There is this kind of deconstructing the way that I've been doing things isn't getting me where I thought it would. And as James Hollis talks about, for most of us, the vast majority of us, that happens in in midlife, in the middle passage. And that's certainly what we see with the people we work with. There's this kind of disillusionment that happens in the 40s um, into the 50s. And it's just... There's a what I think of as midlife mortality, which is this real clear-eyed awakening, like, 
oh, this is, I'm halfway through this gig. And if I'm going to get on with it, I need to get on with it. And I think that's this, this unraveling that happens that can set you up for your second mountain. Not everybody gets to the second mountain. In fact, I think the most people don't. They kind of double down on the first mountain, um, which is where a lot of friction comes from, in my opinion, that leads people to um, just dis-ease, unhealth, stress, because the things we've always done aren't working. And so, you know, this conversation is an invitation to the second mountain. So I think that if you do find yourself, as Shelley just said, in your 40s, or so, you're right on time. Congratulations, <laughs> uh, because yeah, you, you maybe you know you maybe you've had some dreams that you know of maybe even experiencing like a death or something. Well, that's it's an ego death. It's not your literal death. But what happens is we get to the end of this road that has been laid out for us by culture, by expectations, by the constructs of our ego, and we get there. And we're like this famous quote of, is this all there is? But let's take the tiniest bit of a step back and just why do we even use the language of mountains? Well, it turns out that mountain is almost this archetypal symbol that is used, has been used for a very long time as a universal type of symbol, which is kind of about, it's related to being in the nearness of God, uh, because the, the mountain that surpasses ordinary humanity, it extends to, you know, the heavens and the sky, and it symbolizes this permanence, this, this and you can be on, on the peak it's a it's this huge archetypal symbol, and when we discuss being on the first mountain, I think just to not be redundant, but just to think of what Shelley's already said, it's also the first mountain is also seen as really really focused on the individual, the individual freedom, mm-hmm. the individual acting um, with the ego's autonomy, and it, it is necessary. It's rare that you can just skip it. Right. Getting all this stuff, the nice home, the nice family, the nice vacations, good food, good friends. Hey, this is good stuff. Right. right? Yeah. I think it's it's very um, material. So it's very focused mm-hmm. on what this world is and how do I be, become in this world, this material world that we're all existing on this plane. And so I think culturally that could look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people, but it's, it's very much, I think it's, it's, it's not quite right to say it's survival. Um, it's more than that. It's more about how, who, who am I in this place that I've constructed my life to be? And so that's, that's what I, you know, I think a lot of the people we work with, it is a lot around their identities of their careers, their identities of, of family, parenting, their identities of just when I have these things, whatever those things are, they are a marker of success. And so that's, to me, the, the kind of the penultimate of the first mountain is that you're climbing the first mountain to be seen or to arrive at some version of success that your culture pr- 
surprises. And as we have heard probably from just people on the podcast, but you've probably experienced in real life as well, is simply that some people actually do arrive at the pinnacle of the first mountain and many don't. Either way, you come to the valley. Right. And you do, just, but coming to the valley does not at all mean you will then go on to the second mountain, as you've been saying here. Yeah. And what I find so fascinating and well, I don't know if it's fascinating, but it's, we all do go through this sort of like, is this as good as it gets? And then we have a different kind of response to it one way or the other. Um, and, and, and speaking of James Hollis, in, in his book, The Middle Passage, which we're very familiar with, he said, he, I remember him saying this anecdote of like, there, when you, every morning when you wake up, from bed, there are these two grinning gremlins, he says, that are nibbling at your feet. And and one is called uh, fear and one is called lethargy. And they're nibbling at your toes. And if you let them, they'll try to devour all of you. And the fear gremlin is basically saying life is too much. It's too big. You can't manage this. You, you, you just need to hide out, hang out, stay away. It's, this is, it's better to just be safe. And lethargy is saying, chill out, dude, like just, you know, be cool, like pour yourself another margarita, turn on the television, you know, tomorrow's going to be another day. And both of these, he argues, are the enemies of life, or I would say to put it in different language as well, they keep you from waking up. Mm-hmm. So I want to share with you all really quickly just my valley story, which was um, through the my season of burnout, kind of coming out of that and healing and really resetting my whole life, our life. And I remember after a coaching session, shout out to Stacy. I left, I went, you know, had my session. I walked into the kitchen. I started bawling and you were like, what's going on? What's ha- what just happened? And I said, you know, I have to stop doing. And the thought of not doing, like literally doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, um, you're retapping into it right, right now. And I mean, while you're like kind of feeling that for a minute, um, I wanted to just, I think a part of, see, like what you're representing right now in feeling emotion around this topic is exactly part of the struggle yeah. of, of, of getting into the second mountain. And um, there's actually a line in in a poem by Rilke, um, which it's from the poem, The Man Watching. And it has, he says something like, to be continuously defeated by ever larger things. And I know that our ego and a lot of people may be listening right now is like, well, what's all this talk about? Like, getting defeated and, you know, maybe experiencing pain or suffering and kind of giving into it. I'm not giving into it. I'm going to keep fighting. And that's, and that's the difference Mm -hmm. is there, there, 
the to live a life where you surrender to the second mountain yeah is is to actually in the end lead a more interesting life because it's one informed by the growth that you have allowed the pain to teach you hmm. You haven't been just so afraid of any kind of suffering that you you are just going to like deny it, fight it back, and stay on your first mountain. Um, and I think that's that's really important. I'm not saying that life is about is is just like oh just suffer. It's like you lean into it to what it has to teach you. And that enlarges the scope and the meaning of your life. Yeah. The valley is a really, really not fun place to be because you're, you're deconstructing, you're unraveling, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. You're waking up. You're like, okay, for me, my story, which yeah, is still emotional. It's like, I can't keep doing, I can't keep like this kind of breakneck speed of, of control and of like forcing things to happen, like pride, which is the passion of type two, had just infiltrated every aspect of my life. And so to have that session and to come out and be like, okay, I can't keep doing this. Like this is killing me. It yeah. is really, really... Um, beyond stressing me out. Right. And, but in the Valley, you don't know what else to do. You're Mm -hmm. like, I don't see another option. I don't see a way out of this because I've been doing this my whole freaking life. Yeah, That's, I think the fear that a lot of people feel that's this, I, I use the word annihilation. It's like, if I, if I, I don't know what else to do. So if I stop doing this, I feel like I'm going to die. And I remember saying that to you. I feel like this is like, I might quit existing if I quit doing stuff. Like, I don't know what, I don't have a concept of what else to do. Yeah. And that's kind of what I meant. I think at the beginning of this conversation, when I was like, you might have a dream about dying and there is like an ego death going on. Yeah. And, and I, I think if I may, you know, the, the answer is actually quite pretty simple. And I believe that it is some version of trust. Hmm. Um, I think I've come to believe that every, every virtue of every type on the Enneagram literally could be trust. Yeah. Trust in the world, the unfolding trust in, in your sin that things are going to be okay. So that was the second mountain for me was, was really going through this Valley experience of, of a death and then figuring out, okay, where can I trust? And that is so hard. I think for, for a lot of people that have done well, excuse me, done well on the first mountain. It's like I've now what do how do I trust um, a different way and so a way that might actually be more be better be more fulfilling have more meaning have more health have better relationships and so to not see it but to try to trust it 
That's the work of the second mountain. Yeah. Uh, and what, and a, and a book that literally uses the title, the second mountain that I think has been pretty well known now for a, a few years is, uh, the quest for a, the second mountain, the quest for a moral life is by David Brooks, who we'd love to be able to get on the show one day. But, you know, basically the, he frames it out as um, almost this juxtaposition between the individual aspirations and then real recognizing um, commitments related to um, community, to being committed to a philosophy or a faith, being um, those kinds of commitments. And, you know, it's re- it's related, you know, there's, there's also just empirical research that's beginning to bear this out. Like at the beginning of the season, when we talked with um, Karen Cross and Rob Dillon about uh, this idea that people who are finding themselves as these top aware and engaged people are those who are finding ways to break out of themselves and find real community. Yeah. So, um, I think he talks about David Brooks does talk about interdependence Mm, and the first mountain is a lot about independence. Mm -hmm. I can do this. I must, I must achieve. I must accumulate. I must prove and then in this on the second mountain, um, I don't. It's not that those things don't go away. Right. They just don't have as much of a driving power to them. Well, the whole hero's journey and the slaying of the dragon—that's that's the first mountain. Mm-hmm. That's that's the first, and then you return home. Yeah. You return home, and it's like, then what? Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like, well, I, I did it, right? I I had the journey and now I'm home. I told you yes last night we were talking about this and I said, you know, there's something that's really interesting that's happening to me. And I think this is universal for people that are on their second mountain, which is the things I've always strived for are happening. And it's not because of my will to make those things happen. It's like this acceptance or this different kind of way of seeing my life that they've always been happening. The things that I've always wanted have always been there. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the surrendering that I, that's how I interpret that. Yeah. But I look at our lives right now and I'm really proud of what we've created and what we're doing and what we're building. And, and I think first mountain Shelly would be like, look what we're doing, you know, like (laughs) look at all this work and how hard and how, you know, but second mountain Shelly is like, it's, you know, you, you're, you've had it all along. Like the things that you have really wanted which, yeah. you know, you can define as some version of success. You've had it all along. Yeah. You just didn't see it. And I think that's a lot of second mountain optics is that you just start seeing things differently. It's not that you're doing things differently. As you're talking, I've, um, I'm thinking of just the role of the coach as well. And we, we as a coach, 
do not take credit or, you know, one way or the other for our clients' success. We, I mean, we want to be skilled practitioners, but I'm not going to go around bragging when I've had, when, when my clients made these great breakthroughs because that wasn't my work. That was their, their work to do. And, and by contrast, if they're struggling, it is not my role to get in there and start fixing or taking control of a given conversation, even when I recognize they're mm. kind of working around the boundaries, but not going for the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That, it, that strikes me as, as a thought there. But in terms of this idea, uh, to wrap it up here, is of, of returning uh, home. There is a quote in the that I've um, that really stood out to me. I read in A. H. Almas's "The Facets of Unity" on the Enneagram of Holy Ideas. This idea of returning and and listen to this part of this quote. It's a whole page, but I've I've got it down to just a couple of sentences. He writes. All human endeavors are ultimately attempts to regain that connection, attempts to return home, to go back to where we feel connected and without worry, where we feel things are just the way they should be. Everyone is working on the same task of returning home. Mm -hmm. And then he concludes, so the return home to our source is a matter of education, It is a matter of seeing through certain beliefs, but in letting them go, you are letting go of the very fabric of who you believe you are. So the process is very difficult, very subtle, and very radical. Mm, That's good. Isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Damn. I I couldn't have said that better myself. That's like, that's, that's the whole thing right there. That's what we do. And I, I, um, it is, it is radical, right? It, on one level, it is kind of terrifying work to let go of what you've always, what you've constructed, who you think you are, how you've gone through the world. But I'm telling you all, and even as I'm like emotional talking about it, I'm telling you all, (laughs) it is so much sweeter on the second mountain. If you can get through the shitty valley and get to, and, and, and that's why we do what we do for, you know, for people to support people, to cheer for you, to challenge you. Like that's, we need tribe of people. We cannot do this work alone. And that's why we, we are here for you. So if, if you want to do this work, if you're curious, if you're like, what the heck, am I in a valley? Am I on the first mountain? We would love to have you in our Facebook group. We've just, we've just started a new Facebook group. We're really intentional about bringing people in there. It's the Burnout to Big Self Facebook group, and we will leave yeah. it in the link in the show notes if you need to return back to this. But yeah, we just we cover it all there. We have these discussions from everything from the physical work to the emotional and psychological work, Spiritual even work. vocational, all of it. Yep. So we would love to see you there. Thanks for joining us, and we wish you well as you journey onto your second mountain. And if we can be of help, of support, please do let us know, and we'd love to have you in our group. Until next time, we will see you on 
The Big Self Show. Bye. This episode is sponsored by goodboycreative.co, a boutique marketing agency based out of Canada that gives your brand that extra dimension of intelligence and creativity. From content strategy and SEO plus SEM to social content of all kinds to brand identity, even web design and UX UI, Good Boy Creative has you covered. Check them out now at goodboycreative.co backslash big self. That's goodboycreative.co backslash big self.